We thank you for who you have made him, the way that you work through him. Thank you for his preparation for today. And Father God, we pray that you would come in a very special way and anoint him so that as he preaches, he would speak the words that you want each one of us to hear. So Lord, come and work powerfully, we pray, and open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive and our eyes to see you afresh. In your name we pray. Amen. So harvest. I love harvest. I just it's delight to see people choosing to bring um, bring food and produce to bless others. And it can be one of those a bit like a church version of the village show, can't it? You know, that sense of keen gardeners outdoing each other to display their biggest and their best produce, the shiniest tomatoes, the weightiest marrows, the longest carrots, and so on. Yes, of course, in urban areas it's a bit more of a raid of the supermarket, and so instead it looks more like that. Now hold those thoughts of harvest for a moment and think on this. How do you want to be remembered? Do you want to be remembered for your mistakes or for your successes? And of course, we tend to bring our most successful attempts at growing things when it comes to harvest. But in the long term, do you want to be remembered for the things that you do or the character that you are? Looking back with a family on a person's life has become a regular feature of my own life as I help people to prepare for funerals. Most people find it easy to talk of history in terms of jobs, marriages, hobbies, often children, but the tears tend to flow when I ask about character, about what someone was like as a person, when there's talk about what that person meant to those that are left behind, who they were when they think that no one else is looking. I find it interesting and quite challenging that most of us spend most of our time on earth striving to do things, to complete projects, to become known as successful, rather than spending time developing character, which is the thing those closest to us will remember long after the doing and the striving has ceased. It's part of why character in leaders and developing that character is very important. Actually, it's important for all of us who are followers of Jesus. Because we're not going to lead many people to Jesus unless we are led more by Jesus. Harvest is an interesting one then. For those of us who have grown things in the garden and brought them today, no doubt we've selected the best of the crop and not brought the gnarled, the deformed, or the potatoes accidentally got a fork through them when, when digging them up. And in doing so, we've made judgments about bringing our best, our best crops to the Lord. Although biblically, I want to suggest the closest parallel we have in a harvest festival is to the First Fruits Festival. Uh, and that gets a mention at Deuteronomy chapter 26. It runs like this. When you have entered the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land that the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket 
Then go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land and the, Lord's, the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. And the priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. And then shall declare before the Lord your God. And basically you declare history. Here we go. My father was a wandering Aramean and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians ill-treated us, made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labour. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Then place the basket before the Lord your God and bow before him. Then you shall, you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. So, those instructions were for whatever ripens first rather than the best. And I think it's an image worth dwelling on. God wants the first fruits, not just the best fruits. So God values all contributions, all fruits, all shapes, all sizes. And I think there is, a, I think, a follow-through in terms of how we view ourselves and those around us. I think God wants to say to us that whoever you are, However you perceive yourself, God wants you to know that you are loved by him and that he believes in you and that he is the one who gives you breath because he loves you and cares for you and has a plan and a purpose for you. So since God gives you your breath, you are called to live your life on account of his giving you breath. And thus God has given you life and he's given you hope and meaning and purpose. But it also has a follow-on on how we treat other people. For we are to measure one another for who we are as followers of Jesus, for the spirit that dwells in each of us, not for our wealth, not for our education, not for our looks. So actually, yes, the crippled, the disfigured, the disempowered, the uneducated, the outcast, all who normally self-exclude, or who think they're not worthy, or think that they have nothing to offer, actually all of us are equal in God's sight. And we must live that out. We must honour and give equal honour to each other, without differentiation, based on anything other than God's Spirit dwelling in you and me. Yes, we live in a society that wants to judge, wants to disparage others, wants to pull others down, but we are called to be countercultural and to live God's ways, not man's ways. But actually, was it ever thus? Our reading shows Samuel's temptation to look at the outward appearance. And did you notice that phrase from God? The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So how is your heart today? Even the first century church needed to be challenged to look beyond the clothes. Um, many of you will be familiar with the passage from James chapter 2, um, where uh, James writes to the church to remind them that they... 
just need to find it. Stay awake, Saunders. There it is. Um, they, 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 they wrote to the church um, to remind them actually that, that they need to treat her equally. Um, uh, James 2. And suppose a person comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and also a poor man who thinks the old clothes comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and says, Oh, here's a good seat for you, uh, but say to the poor man, You stand over there and sit on the floor. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And the passage goes on. Even the first century church needed to be challenged to look beyond the clothes. I'm really challenged by the reverse, as it were. Listen to verse 5 of that chapter. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, writes James, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? passage goes on. Don't forget, it's the rich that exploit you, it's the rich that drag you to court, it's the rich that are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong. Has not God have chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised through those, promised those who love him. For some of us, I wonder, is it time to become poor? Let's go back to that uh, Deuteronomy text, Deuteronomy 26, the very end of it, uh, of the passage I read to you, ran like this. Bring, now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall re- rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. Notice the attitude. The statement that says, you, God, have given us the very soil. So I bring this that you've allowed to grow back to you. If you like, it's back to that open-handed approach to life that we talked of last week, rather than a closed-handed approach. If you want to hear more on that, just listen to last week's sermon online. Leave the offering, it says, and bow before the Lord. Actually, worship is important. When did we last bow, even metaphorically, before the Lord? Bowing is about showing God that you respect him and honour him, and that you live to serve him. But then, having bowed in worship, we are called to rejoice. To rejoice in all the good things that God has given you. Rejoice. Have joy. Be happy. And it's the context of recognising that it is all given by God. He sends the rain and the sun in due season. And he allows those crops to grow. Even those things in tins and packets used to grow in a field or in the ocean. Let's push a little bit on this concept that everything is given to us by God. And for me... um, I need to say to you that that includes those signs of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. And uh, yes, funerals weigh heavily on us. And you've got three church funerals booked in, and I've got two more in my diary. And so clearly, it's one of those seasons. But I want to say quite clearly to you that I will not stop praying for the sick. Because God is the same today as He was yesterday. Because people do die and will die. Even Lazarus is dead. 
But while God continues to give me breath in my body, so I commit to praying for the kingdom to break in. So for the sick to be healed, for the demons to be cast out. And I remain committed to telling out the good news of the kingdom of God, of the coming king who loves each and every person and who calls us all to respond rightly to his hand of friendship and forgiveness. I believe that we are all to continue to seek the kingdom of heaven to come on earth. Whatever happens, whatever the apparent results, our calling is to be faithful to that calling. Faithful to the prayer that says your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. We would notice that one Samuel passage talked about being consecrated. And actually we need perhaps a, a helpful image is to think about us all being consecrated Lord to thee. Consecrated, that is choosing to set aside other concerns in order to do God's holy calling. Like with the communion bread and wine, we set it apart for holy purposes. Will you then be consecrated? Be cho- will you choose to set your heart on fulfilling God's purposes for you? Being made in his image and adopted into his family is sufficient qualification. Finally, by the standards of this world, we are all wealthy. So here again, this verse from, uh, from the Proverbs. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Notice, friends, the result of honouring God with our wealth is that we have more wealth with which to honour God. It's an interesting and unworldly equation, and so unworldly it's got to be of God. And remember that on years when the harvest the previous year had not been brilliant, so the first fruits marked the end of the hungry season, when food had all but run out. To give to God some of the first fruits in that setting was about delaying the gratification of eating more than just survival rations. That's when giving hurts. slightly different take, consider the traditional English cooked breakfast. For the chicken makes an offering of an egg, but for the pig it's a sacrifice. So will you, to echo the words of Romans 12 again, will you live your life as a living sacrifice? In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your true and proper worship. Now, we need to take time to respond to this. If, frankly you've been used to judging by the world's standards by looking on people rather than on people's hearts and you want to repent of that 
going to ask you to come forward in a moment. If, frankly, you need God to break into your life and fix stuff, whether that be limbs or history or relationships, then I'm also going to ask you to come forward. And if you want to more clearly, more radically commit yourself to bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, then you're going to need to come and pray with these people, because that's how it starts. Let's take, let's stand, so that we can able to move from our aisles in a moment. Um, clearly, there's no space quite here at the front, so there's a big space over here. Um, and there's a big space over there, which we happen to have cleared, sort of over there. So, for those of you who are wanting or needing to repent of attitudes, of choosing to judge others according to the things of this earth, then I'd like you to be courageous and come and stand over here. If you're wanting God to break into particular situations in your life, then go and stand in the big space over there and others will come and pray with you. Let's just take a moment to be quiet and then we'll get people to move. Father, we recognise again before you that it's easy in this world to assume that our stuff is on account of our efforts. Father, we recognise that we've, the way we, we run this world, that somehow that that de- dependency on sun and rain and fertilization of crops, we seem to be somewhat removed from that. Father, give us grace to recognize again that every breath that we breathe comes from you. That it's you that gives us life. It's you that offers us hope and meaning and purpose. So, Father, we ask your forgiveness for those times when we've lived lived as if you don't exist. When we've lived assuming that it's on account of our own strength, our own abilities, that we're able to eat or breathe. Renew a right spirit within us, we pray. Increase the presence of your spirit, we ask in us, that we might acknowledge you in all things, that we might give praise to you. We might bow down in worship. 
So friends, if you just change the language slightly, if you're wanting to consecrate yourself afresh to God this morning and therefore put away some of the worldly ways, then come forward, come to my right. If instead you're looking for God to intervene in particular situations, relationships, um, in, in physical pain, then um, use the space up the, up the steps there to um, come and seek God. And people will come and pray with you. Our music team are regathering to enable us to worship God in that intimacy. Don't be afraid to move, friends. Do so now. <laughs>